you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, it's Oliver Banks here and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. You know just as well as I do that online retail has been steadily taking market share as a percentage of the overall retail market. The Office of National Statistics in the UK reports that as of the end of 2018 in the UK, e-commerce makes up 18% of the overall retail market. However, Statista tells us that the global rate of e-commerce is actually declining. It's still growing, but it's growing less. So starting from around 26% in 2014, as of last year, it's more around 23%. And if we look ahead to 2021, doesn't that seem like far in the future, but it's only a couple of years away, it's down to 18%. Now I've got a couple of those trend charts from that, from that data to show you and share with you on today's show notes page. So you can find those over at obandco.uk slash 20. And there's going to be a lot more in there as well. But I'll come back to that in a bit. Now, what's all of this data telling us? It's telling us that e-commerce is becoming more mature. It's becoming part of the retail marketplace. But the growth is slowing. So we're starting now to see more pure play e-commerce stores look outside their traditional sandbox. These pure play e-commerce stores are now moving into the world of physical stores. Now in the last episode, episode 19 of the Retail Transformation Show, I started a conversation with the brilliant Jennifer Fruhoff. And based on the messages that I'm getting, you folks loved it. Lots of positive messages about this episode. Jennifer Fruhoff is a customer engagement and experience consultant based in London. And she helps brands and retailers to go after Omnichannel, to create strategies and deliver them and wrap a customer experience around it. That means it adds value for the customer and, of course, delivers value for the business too. Now, this is the second part of my conversation with Jennifer. And if you've not heard episode 19 yet, I strongly recommend that you go back and listen now. In that episode, we covered off some amazing examples of online retailers who are now jumping offline. They're jumping into physical stores. And by the way, some of them are doing this in a pretty big way. And we're going to dive straight back into this. And I've just asked Jennifer about some of the best in class examples of what's really working well when online retailers move into the offline world. Enjoy part two. There are a couple of other things um, that we haven't spoken about that I do think are working that underline other reasons online brands are moving into physical retail. I mean, one is I do think that some of these are not, they don't fall into only one category. There are, there are a number of reasons that, that online players are moving into physical retail. One of them, I think, is also the ability for these brands to extend their online offer to a complementary channel and have a more comprehensive connected offer. So a way of being able to kind of bring that brand concept and that offer to life in store in a way that complements digital. 
And one of those is a smaller brand, uh, maybe not that well known, but a company called Vestiaire Collective based in France that takes luxury items and customers who have luxury items and have worn them but want to pass them on, sell them to someone else can go onto the sites. It's very specialized around luxury. They're very particular about what they take. But they had a pop-up in Selfridges right, okay. um, late last year. I think it was only there for about two weeks. And what was interesting about that was, okay, there is a brand awareness element, but they also used that as an opportunity, first of all, to showcase their brand in terms of the vintage items that they carried. So they had a really nice curated selection of vintage items. And they showed the range of items, but they also used it as a way to collect items from customers who wanted to sell. So it was a drop-off point, effectively, for customers to bring items in, get a member of staff to have a look at the item and see if it was something they would take before they took it in to evaluate it and then list it online. So that was a very nice way of being able to use physical retail to really complement what they're doing as a business. And I can imagine that that sort of real luxury market fits very well with of course selfridges absolutely so there's that cross cross pollination of of customers both ways absolutely and then i mean i think the other thing that's working for brands that really get this right and the other reason behind moving into physical retail is just the economics of it is there are some people who are suggesting that the online business model has sort of limit to how far it can grow without then moving into physical retail. I mean, there are other ways of looking at this as well. I've heard some very small emerging brands that I've spoken to in London say that they launched online, but they found the costs of digital marketing prohibitive. They didn't have the budget to bid on certain search terms and compete with much larger players. So actually, they started to see physical retail oddly as a way of being able to really get cut through in the market and, and get awareness that they don't think they could have just got online alone. So online is a key part of their proposition and they use it to build a community and build interest, but then they drive those customers in store. So there actually can be very strong economics for players that are smart about this and really get this right. If they're able to really tie together the online to offline offer and that customer experience. Um, and when you think about it, for brands that do this well, it's also it's, it's an opportunity to acquire more customers. It's an opportunity for them to also gather more data on those yeah. customers in store and then to be able to enrich if they have single customer profiles, which I would hope they do or they're thinking about, that they can collect data from the, about what those customers are interested in or looking at in store to enrich that single customer profile that they have online. So it's, you know, these stores can be great ways of, engaging customers further in the brand. Again, we know that multi-channel shoppers are more are more profitable and have higher lifetime value than single-channel customers do because they're more engaged. Giving them a physical store gives them a way of being more engaged in that brand and another way of interacting with that brand that they can't necessarily do online alone. It also generates sales. So you know, there's a lot made about footfall in stores, it's falling and flatlining growth year on year. Okay, generally speaking, for certain, for certain retailers, that is the case. But we've also seen a lot of examples of stores being able to generate incremental sales online. So yes, you can also use digital to drive customers into your stores and increase your store sales. But at the same time, if you're really truly more omni-channel, multi-channel, omni-channel, the way you look at this, 
stores, and, and there are good examples like Away, the luggage brand talks about this, um, Amazon talks about this, that in areas where they have open stores, they've actually seen an uplift in online shopping. Right. So you get that sort of halo effect of I've been to the store, I had my consideration period, and then I went back home and ordered online because that was more convenient for me at the time, or I wanted that, that consideration period, etc. Exactly. And you know what, what is also interesting to me is that in the traditional retail world, and I would say even brands that are trying to transform over the last few years, there's still this, this channel-focused way of thinking about things. There's such a focus around the channel of transaction that I think a lot of retailers lose sight of the bigger picture and the role that various channels play in actually influencing a sale. And I think these are very good examples is that if you if you stop thinking about retail as we just have to get customers to come in and buy there, that's the value of retail. If you start thinking about it more broadly and think some customers will buy there, but retail can also help fuel your online sales. And as long as that retail channel is doing what it does well and moving that customer along in their journey, that's okay. With proper attribution, that's okay. Absolutely. And that's going to be a key thing to get into place, proper attribution. So those are some of the things that are working well. Let's let's flip it around. There have been some mistakes, right? When people have moved into stores thinking, happy days, let's just crack on. And it's not gone quite so well. Yes. Tell me about some of those. Well, I mean, I think a notable example in the UK market has been misguided that opened quite a large space in a shopping mall and then and had apparently ambitions to move beyond that and open other stores. And then that store closed. And there were reports that they just perhaps underestimated what it took to make physical retail work for them. It was a large space as well. And there is heavy investment required in making a large space like that work for them economically. And perhaps they just underestimated what it really took to make that work. Yep. Um, so I think that's one example of a kind of notable failure. But there are other reasons that I've seen from the stores that I visited, the pop-ups or some of the permanent um, stores that online players have opened that I think don't work very well. One of the things I've seen a lot of online brands underestimate is the importance of people and staff training. And that comes to basic things like just acknowledging the customer when they walk into a store. So I've been in some stores on the online players have opened in London, where I go in, I don't even see staff in the store, or there's one person or two people and they're wandering around or preoccupied with another customer. And I'm in there for a good, I was in one for a good 15 minutes really looking intently at products, taking things over to a mirror, trying them. And I had nobody approach me and ask me if I needed any help, even though I was looking around looking for somebody and making it quite obvious that I wanted help. And I think that's just a very obvious mistake that you've got to think through that, that people are coming into your stores, yes, because they want to try the products, but sometimes they also want advice. They want to talk to somebody. They want a little bit of help with what they're looking at. Um, so that's one thing that I think, and, and they're not the only example where I've found the human element lacking. Um, I think there are also instances of poor product knowledge. I've had staff in some stores actually acknowledge to me that, well, they don't really know the products very well. They don't really know where things are located. And it just lets the whole experience down. So I think one thing that online players really need to think about is the importance of well-trained staff, staff that have the right attitudes that are effectively ambassadors of your brand and your company that have 
that have to help create that experience. It's not tech, it's not displays, it's also the people experience that help create the right experience for your brand, for customers. Yeah. You know, even in Amazon fashion, and I hate to single them out, but I've already done it in writing about them online. <laughs> Um, you know, the lack of training was also was also obvious as they were very eager to sell. But when I said to them, okay, well, what happens if I buy this item and I change my mind in a few days? What do I do if I want to return it? And they couldn't answer that question. Wow. So there's an operational question there about do online players really understand what it means to operate a store properly and to handle things like questions about returns? How do you actually do that in their stores? But also, how do you just train your staff to have the right answer for that when customers ask you? Yeah, and these are some of the things that I, I suppose if you're operating a, a website, you don't necessarily think about. You don't need to think about exactly. you know, staff training. You have your returns policy, your delivery policies, da, 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 da. you have that all at the bottom, which people can see as and when they want. Exactly. But when you're in a pop-up, it's quite interesting. As a challenge, you've got to train this entire team that is probably new to your company you're probably not using team members that you've got in place already that's right into a new operation that you may or may not have sorted out and it's only there for a short amount of time so you've got to invest a huge amount of time it's it's all the hassle of setting up a store but for 24 hours 48 hours seven days or few months at best Mm -hmm. it's a big challenge isn't it it is and, and so, yes, you do have to think through the experience. You have to think through the message you want to communicate. Of course, there's a PR value in doing some of these things for, for brands. But, I mean, if you're really trying to do something that is commercially viable, that has a commercial angle to it, and it is not just for PR purposes, then you do have to think through how things like this work. I mean, you know, another example of where I think the operational expertise falls down sometimes is again going back to Amazon fashion is you talk about a company like Amazon that has such prowess in terms of data and yet this is a store that was open for two weeks that had absolutely no visibility of the stock they had at that location wow so they actually if you wanted an item which which I did so I went through this process and I had to wait And it took quite a while, I would say a good 10 minutes while the sales associate walked downstairs to the stock room to rummage through the products that were there, only to come back and tell me that that item was in fact not in stock. Now, I happened to have been holding the right item in the right size that I tried on that I wanted, but then it it had a tag on it saying it was an online exclusive and they couldn't (laughs) sell it to me anyway. What a great experience. (laughs) And And then they basically said... And then they said, oh, well, you know, again, promoting the app, which I thought, okay, this is great as an omni-channel proponent. This is great. They're promoting their app to me. I love this, that I can just buy what I want through the app and I don't need to be limited by what's in store. And it wasn't available online either. So, you know, again, operationally in terms of inventory, visibility to what you have, what's available where, just was was not in that in that particular store. Now you could argue that it's a two-week pop-up, maybe that was a bit much for them to do. But it is one of those things that if retailers are really serious about doing this in physical locations, they do have to think about and they do have to get right. Yeah, and I think just just touching on the point there, whether customers would expect it, I'd actually have a slightly different perspective. Even though it's a two-week pop-up, I think as a customer, I would be expecting just the same level of service, just the same level of visibility. I don't want to be waiting around whilst they go and check in the stock room for 
you know, multiple, multiple minutes just because they're a, a pop up. I expect if you're going to do this, if you're going to open the doors, yeah. you've got to be up for the challenge and you've got to be prepared and set up for it. Yes, I agree. Which is why it surprised me even more that that Amazon fashion did that, that they couldn't have foreseen that that was a big failing potentially of the way that pop-up worked. Sure. So I guess as we as we begin to think about wrapping it up, if I'm an online retailer, I've never done physical retail before, but you know, I've been excited by some of the things we've spoken about, about increasing that experience, building that loyalty, doing obviously some sales benefit as well. What should I do? What 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 are the steps do you think that I need to be thinking about? I think that one of the things is just being clear on what the purpose is of what they're trying to do. So who is the customer and what is the purpose of this pop-up? Is it just for brand building? Is it just you know, a PR exercise where you want something that's very Instagrammable and you invite customers in and they share it on social media and that gives you a certain level of visibility and cachet? That's, that's one purpose. But if you really want to see if this is going to work commercially, and that's more the angle I would take being someone who is very commercial by nature and by training, is well, how are you actually going to make this viable in terms of the proposition the products that you have available, the visibility of stock. How do you how do you make sure your operations are supporting this? How do you train your people to make sure they're also providing the right kind of experience and the right kind of messages that your customers will want to ask about and want to hear? But I think also, and this is something that you would expect the online players to do well, is is the on is the omni-channel capabilities that tie that experience together. Is I would suggest that they should be looking at these locations, especially if they're more permanent locations, as an extension of that brand in a kind of channel agnostic way, so that you have technology that just ties the whole experience together more seamlessly. And I don't just feel that I'm going into a store that's interesting, but that it's still disjointed from the website or from the app. Ideally, they should be thinking about these things in a much more holistic way. And there are a few examples, I think, of, of retailers that have done this well. Like Everlane does have a single view of customers in the UK. When you go into their store, shop online, you can log in and store. So they have a single view of you and what you've purchased and, and any, um, any credits that you have on your account. But I've seen many more examples of brands moving into physical retail that don't have any sort of capability like that at all, even though with their online heritage, you would expect they would. That's really interesting. That omni-channel view, the single single view of the customer, it is something that you know. Certainly, for an current online retailer, you'd expect you'd expect them to be getting on that bandwagon too. I, I would expect that, and I, I like the idea of logging into a store. That's going to be something I'm guessing we'll see a lot more of coming into physical stores. You know, log in, so you generate that purchase history. You generate even potentially a browsing history depending on how clever technology gets and, and so on. Indeed. Or that you look at an example like Lone Design Club in London, which you know I love because I've spoken about them before. Um, but, but again, their store is effectively their online presence, their, their online store and their app. That is, that is what they are all about. And they do pop-ups around London, but they're just an extension of the store and when you when, over the online store. And when you go in, you're still transacting online so that you really use those digital capabilities to first of all make this this physical location much easier to set up much more nimble then you just tie everything together you you have this single view of customer of purchases 
you can handle returns much more simply and easily. You know, that I think is a really interesting example that I would expect to see more of these online players taking when they move into physical retail. Oh, this is so good. We could go on for hours, I think, to be honest. <laughs> we could. <laughs> you know, I do think these are also really early days. We see a lot of innovation starting to come through, but I still think these are early days. And when we talk about things like omnichannel and the capability and the digital capabilities that could underline and create more seamless experiences, I think these are still early days and there's still a lot more that we're going to see coming over the next few years. I totally agree with you. And I think as as concepts like Amazon Go, which, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing and hearing a lot more about as that that concept of logging into a store and generating that sort of all of that tracking info, it's going to become really quite radically different. And I think we'll be seeing, as you say, some big changes and new thinking, new ideas, but it's got to be backed up by all the sort of the classic stuff that stores do. Yes. Operating models, staff training, yeah. stock availability. Yeah. clear pricing all the basics have yes. got to be there if you're moving into that physical store absolutely this has been so much fun and thank you so much for for coming on there have been a ton of great examples and what i'm going to do is i'm going to put them onto the show notes page for for everyone to explore and understand a bit more about is that all right that's that's absolutely fine thank you very much for having me oliver it's been great oh it's been a total blast and i, I guess a really important question Let's say people really want to get in touch with you and continue the conversation. How is it best to do that? Probably best to find me on LinkedIn or through the Retail Collective, which is a um, collective I've recently set up with two other um, independent consultants in London. So those are probably the best ways to reach me. Super. And I'll, I'll put the links on, on the show notes as well for those. Thank you again, Jennifer, so much for, for coming on and for sharing all of your insights and your experiences about this it's going to be a really interesting space to see how it develops over the coming coming months and of course even the coming years so really appreciate your time you're very welcome thank you again oliver i really enjoyed that whole conversation and i really hope that you did too you can find jennifer as she said on LinkedIn, Jennifer Fruhoff, F-R-U-E-H-A-U-F. So don't forget to go and check out some of those examples referenced in the episode today. You can find all of these at obandco.uk slash 20. That's obandco.uk slash 20. Now, finally, whilst you're on LinkedIn looking at Jennifer's profile, if we're not connected either, then we should be. So do go ahead and check my profile out, Oliver Banks, and connect. Let me know that you listen to the show. You can personalise the invite there and I'll know who you are. It would be great to connect and yeah, hear a bit more about you. So I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope you've enjoyed this double episode with Jennifer. I know I certainly did and I know I'm going to be going back to refer to some of these case studies in the future. Hit subscribe right now if you're not subscribed and you won't miss another episode. But otherwise, all that remains for me to say is adios, have a good week, and I will catch you on the next episode of the Retail Transformation Show. Mm-hmm.